0: The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. That's awesome. Well, if you're, um, you're new here um, or you've been um, away for a few weeks in, in January, um, we've been journeying through a series entitled Big Faith in a Big God. Um, and we've been honing in on chapter 11 um, of the book of Hebrews. Um, Now, in the book of Hebrews, um, the writer of Hebrews goes to great lengths to explain the superiority of Christ. He says that Jesus is superior to Moses. He's superior to the angels. He's the mediator of a better covenant. He's a superior high priest. Um, And in chapter 10, he um, reminds them again of the superiority of Christ's sacrifice and how because we've been sprinkled by Christ's blood, we can draw near. Um, And he finishes chapter 10 by then charging the the recipients of this letter to um, to persevere in the faith. Um, he 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 says to them, um, and he reminds them of the, the suffering that they endured, um, and how they they endured because they knew that their, their their identity and their their belonging was with the Lord and not here. And so he challenges them to live by faith um, and and to not shrink back, to not fall away. Um, and that's where we find chapter eleven. He almost kind of. Takes a bit of a pause, and he hones in on what does it actually look like to live by faith. Yeah. What does it look like uh, to live a life that's trusting the Lord and to living by faith? What does it mean when he says that the righteous will live by faith and not shrink back? Um, and that's kind of where we are in in chapter eleven. And these these heroes of faith, sorry, this he, these heroes of faith, are an example for us of what it looks like. Um, I'm reminded of a story for, for myself. For those who know me, I've been um, serving um, in a uni ministry um, for the past three or four years. Um, and I've been serving at UTS, and it's been quite tough at times. There have been times where there's a lot of discouragements. We're like, oh, man, we're doing all these things, but people um, don't seem to respond. Or, um, you know, we see people that had so much uh, faith and passion then kind of stopping, stopping coming along, stopping going to church even. And it's a little bit discouraging. Our leaders sometimes find it discouraging. And I remember when I was serving... Um, last year or two years ago, um, there was a real point there where I was like, oh man, this is really tough. I kind of want to give up. I kind of want to stop. And um, in that moment, I remembered a a sister by the name of Avery who served um, for two years in 2013 and 14. Um, And for her, when she served on my campus, it was arguably more difficult. She had part of her exec, executive team desert her middle of the year and um, that was the, the president deserved And She was vice president. She kind of had to hold forth for two years. She served faithfully and she continued to do what um, God was calling her to do. Um, and in those moments I, I re- reflected on her story um, and it gave me encouragement. It reminded me that this is why we serve. We serve because we serve a God who's bigger and greater. Um, and that's kind of what um, Hebrews 11 is like. It's, it's coming to us in moments when we are maybe struggling with faith. We're, we're tempted to give up and it reminds us of what persevering in the faith looks like. Yes. And that's kind of where we're, we find ourselves today. We're, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11 uh, verse 30 to 31. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me to that uh, passage. We're going to look at a couple of passages um, throughout today's um, message, but we'll start here in um, Hebrews 11 verse 30 and 31. And this is what it says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And so today we're looking at um, two characters, two heroes of faith, we're looking at Joshua um, and the story of, of the Israelites um, defeating Jericho, and we're looking at Rahab. <laughs> and how she hid the spies and what she did there. And we're going to hone in on two things that were true in their stories, and their acts of faith, that will give us principles and um, things for us to think about as we consider what it means to live by faith. And those two things are are plain and simple. Firstly, they heard the Word of God. They heard what God had done. And secondly, then they acted in faith. Um, We're going to unpack that um, a little bit deeper. So how about you join me in prayer? We're going to pray um, and we'll launch into it. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you are a big God. We thank you that we serve a God who is almighty and um, an amazing Lord. And uh, we pray that as we come around your word, say, Lord, that you'd open up our hearts, um, Lord God, to, to see, um, Lord, what it means to, to have faith, what it means to trust you um, in all things, Father. And we pray that you I pray that you guard my heart and my, uh, my words, Lord, as I speak, Lord, that I'd only, I'd only speak what is true um, and what's glorifying to you, Father. Um, so, Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right so our first uh, first thing that we see in both Rahab and Joshua's story is that they heard what God had done. That was the first thing. That formed the foundation and the basis for their acts of faith, which we see in Hebrews 11. Um, If you have your Bibles again with me, I'd love you to turn back to the original stories in Joshua uh, chapter 5. We're going to start with Joshua's story. Um, Chapter 5, verse 13, and we're reading through to uh, verse 5 of chapter 6. And this is the story of what um, happened to Joshua, of God speaking to Joshua. And this is what happens, verse 13 of chapter 5. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark on the seventh day march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets when you hear that when you hear them sound a, loud, a long blast on the trumpets have the whole army give a loud shout then the wall of the city the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone straight in so as we look at Joshua He's got an interesting encounter here. He's got God speaking to him directly. Some theologians um, in commentaries reckon that this could be a pre-incarnate Christ. Others say it's um, an angel of the Lord. But either way, whichever way we fall, we know that the word that's coming to Joshua is directly from God. This is God speaking to him. And listen to what he says. He says this um, in verse two. He says, "See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men." Listen to that language. It's not that Joshua is going to do anything and that's why Jericho is going to fall. He says, I have delivered. I have done the work. It's God who has done the work already. Yeah. God has delivered, past tense, delivered Jericho into their hands. And then upon this foundation, then God calls, them, calls jo- Joshua and the Israelites to step out and to act in faith. And he goes on to explain what that is, to walk around the city, um, to do that once a day and then seven times on the last day and then to give a shout and we know the story of what happens. For Joshua... It was God coming to him and saying, I have done this for you, now act in faith. But for Rahab, when we switched over to Rahab, it was a little bit different. The story of Rahab begins with with Joshua sending spies. In chapter 2 of the book of Joshua, which we're going to look at in a minute, Joshua sends spies um, to scope out the city, in particular Jericho. And these spies enter the house of Rahab, who, who was a prostitute. Um, and, and they hide there, and the king of Jericho comes to her, and they, she, he asks them, oh, where are these men? And she says, oh, they've, they've run off. Uh, maybe you can go chase and you'll catch them. But she secretly hid them in her roof. Um, and in chapter 2, um, verse 5 to 8, we're going to read this, sorry, in chapter 2, verse 8 to 11, uh, we're going to read this, we hear her confession, and it's interesting to see what she says. In verse 8 of chapter 2, it says, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the." She went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear. And everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. See, she didn't have God or an angel coming to her and telling her exactly uh, what to do. She didn't have God coming and saying, I want you to hide these spies or anything like that. But there were two things that she did here. And these two things were two historical redemptive acts of God that he had done for the Israelites. When he brought them out of Egypt, he parted the Red Sea. When they were um, up against the Amorite kings and up against um, opposition uh, during their time before they entered the promised land, um, God went before them and he completely destroyed um, those two kings that I mentioned there, the Amorite kings. And when Rahab hears, these, hears what God has done in, in, in these situations, then she is stirred and eventually she acts upon that. See, for, the, for both Joshua and Rahab, the basis... For their actions of obedience was a clear understanding of who God was, what he had done. And because of that, then they acted in their acts of faith, which are listed in Hebrews 11. It's kind of like, if you know me, I've been on a few missions trips before. And in 2017, I went to Thailand. And there was one thing that me and my family were worried about before we even left for the nation. And my mom's smiling because she kind of knows exactly where I'm going with this. We found out they were flying on Air Asia. Um, and when we found out, there was long conversations about, oh, should we even go? And um, the reason being, because at the time there had been a lot of issues with Air Asia. There had been planes that had kind of dropped out of the sky for a little period of time, or mechanical failures, and all that kind of stuff. And um, we, we'd heard what, 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 what had happened, and we were a little bit worried. Ah, oh, I don't know if it's going to be safe whether we can go. But then last year, when I went to Japan, we went on Qantas, and i, I don't think I even thought about safety because I'd heard, I, I knew that. Qantas had one of the, the safest records uh, for any airline, and I uh, had very little worries about stepping onto that plane. Because in, in, in a sense, stepping onto a plane is kind of like an act of faith. Like, I mean, you're, you're in, the, in the plane, and, and you're above the sea, you've got no control over nothing, you're really taking a step of faith. And for me, stepping onto a Qantas plane was a lot more, a lot easier, I guess, because I knew the history of Qantas, I knew what Qantas was um, Um, Known for sounds like I'm promoting Qantas, but um, I knew what Qantas was known for, and so it made it easier for me to step on that plane. And it's kind of like that here. Joshua and Rahab knew and heard about what God had done. They they, they reflected on that. That was the basis which they started. And then when God called them to act, when they had opportunities to act, then they did so in faith. And so I think that, that gives us a really good principle for us to think about. For us, we need to start, in all acts of faith, whenever we're wrestling with things, we need to start by reflecting on what God has already done. For Joshua and for Rahab, that's what they did. For Joshua, it was because God had delivered um, Jericho into their hands, um, and no doubt he would have had other parts of knowledge during his time serving under Moses. For Rahab, it was simply the, the acts that God had done in saving Israel in Egypt and with Amorite kings. But for us, as Christians... We can reflect on the greatest act of redemption, which is Jesus coming and dying on the cross for our sins. That was the the, the greatest act of of redemption that the world has ever known. And because of his act of redemption, now we have been reconciled to the Father. We're free from our slavery to sin, um, and, and we're free from the guilt and the shame. And so for us as Christians, remembering what Christ has done on the cross ought to be the foundation of our lives of faith. And so right now, maybe you're sitting there and you're struggling with, um, with various tests of faith, um, questioning God's goodness. Maybe God's calling you to something and you're not sure. Maybe there's a loved one of yours that's really sick, and you're questioning, God, why, God, why would you allow that to happen? Why, why are you allowing this to happen? Or um, maybe you look at the world around us and you see um, in New York just this week that there is, um, they've now legalized abortion in the third trimester. Uh, and you think, God, the poor children, how could you allow such wickedness to run rife in this world and not do anything about it? Are you really, God, are you really in control? Or maybe at work or at uni or school, you um, encounter opposition to your faith. People ridicule you or ostracise you, and you think, man, is this really all worth it? Like, is it worth me persevering? Churches in those moments that we really need to come back and remember What God has already done for us. When we're tempted to doubt God's goodness in our lives, when we're tempted to doubt God's love, we look to the cross, where we see Christ crucified, where we see him coming and taking our place because he loved us, because he's a good God, and dying in our place that we may be safe and free from the guilt of our sin. Or when we see the evil and wickedness in the world, we look to the cross where we see the God who made the world stepping into the world of wickedness and injustice and enduring that himself so that he could reconcile us to the Father and that through that we can have hope that one day justice will be served. Friends, that's where we start. We always need to start remembering and reflecting on what God has already done. That ought to be the foundation for any act of faith that we do. But it cannot stop there. For Joshua and for Rahab, it didn't. They they end up having to act on it. And it's the same for us. And we, as we get to the second point here, we need to be stirred in our hearts to then act in obedience based on what Christ has already done and our reflection on what God has already done. In Joshua 5.14, as we, we looked at that, that, um, that story we see Joshua's response. Joshua knows he's in the presence of God or, or a messenger from God and he falls to his feet in reverence. He takes off his sandals. He knows that the place he's standing is holy ground. He reveres and honors God. He knows that this is God speaking and so he listens in full submission. And so when, when, when he gets the word and, and, and he's told to, to go and to, to do all these things, he does exactly that because he's already been stirred in his heart knowing that God is speaking. Now can you imagine for a moment... On the outside, what that must have been like. I mean, here's this great city of Jericho, the, the, the walls are huge, the gates are securely locked, and you're thinking, you're telling people, oh, if we walk around it a couple of times and we shout, these massive stone walls are going to come crashing down. It must have seemed crazy at the time. Maybe it was crazy the way it was crazy for Noah to build an ark when there was no rain. Or crazy the way it was for Abraham to believe that he was going to have a son at such an old age. Or crazy the way it was for Abraham to be willing to sacrifice his son through whom the promise was supposed to to come and the inheritance was supposed to come. Maybe it seems crazy, but because Joshua, the man of God, knew the God he served, knew what God had already done... He was stirred in his heart by the reverence he had for God and then he stepped out in obedience and he acted upon what God was calling him to do. He, he, in faith, he trusted the God that he served and he, he demonstrated that through his actions. But then on the flip side, we look at the story of Rahab. Now, it's easy for us to think, okay, of course Joshua obeyed. He's the man of God, right? He's been sitting under Moses, and he's been seeing all these things that God has done. Of course he obeyed. Surely it's easy for him to, him to obey. But we see Rahab doing a similar thing, but she wasn't a woman of God. She was a prostitute. Her very profession and career was sinful. And yet she too was stirred in her heart when she heard about what God had done, and then she acted upon it. In chapter 2, in the section we just read, she's heard about these great works that God has done and she's stirred in holy fear of the Lord. Because he knows, she knows how powerful he is because of what he's done. And she acknowledges that Yahweh, the God of Israel, is God of heaven above and of the earth below. And so as a result, then she acts. She hides the spies. And in doing so, she eventually saves her family and herself when um, Jericho is delivered uh, into the hands of Israel. And that really challenges our idea when we say, oh yeah, but I don't really know enough. I don't really know, know God enough. I'm, I'm new to faith or, um, you know, all these kinds of things. Well, well, Rahab, as far as we know, knew two things. She knew what God had done in bringing them out of Egypt and knew what God had done in defeating the Amorite kings. And that stirred her to action. It's kind of like... My brothers, you know, when we go to, to theme parks, they, they, um, they always make fun of me. They're always kind of like... Both my brothers, they love going on, on roller coasters and the rides that swing upside down and make you throw up your lunch. And, and I've kind of never really been the one to, to enjoy that. And the, the, the bar that always comes my way is, oh, you're scared. Oh, you're scared. You're, you're afraid. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not afraid. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to die and fall out of the ride. And, I, and as far as I'm concerned, I genuinely don't. I just don't enjoy it. But... <laughs> That's just the point. But the point is that they keep saying to me, "Oh, you're scared," and the only way I can prove that I'm not scared is is by actually going on those rides, right? Then they're like, okay, maybe he's not scared. It's sort of like that here. We say that oh, we have faith in this God and we believe in what he's done, but then we don't want to actually take the, the steps of faith. We don't actually want to obey and, and, and live it out. And it's like, well, do we really have that, that kind of wholehearted faith and trust in the Lord? Um, and absolutely, it's difficult. Um, but that's kind of what, where faith leads to. When we start and reflect on what God has done and we remember who he is, that then serves us to obey. And that's where we always need to be, be headed towards as, as believers. And so that kind of leads us to then for us as we think about how do we apply this to our lives is we need to remember that by the power of the Spirit, we need to act in obedience to what God calls us to do. Remember, it's it's always upon the backdrop of remembering what Christ has done, remember what God has done, just like Rahab and Joshua. But when we look at our lives, what are those things that challenge our faith, which God is calling maybe to step out and to, to take acts of faith? What is those things that maybe you read in Scripture and you know God is calling you to do, but it's just so hard. It's it's like, oh, I know, God, you want me to do that, but but I just can't. Maybe right now you're you're struggling with singleness for for a lot of us younger and older people as well. Struggling with singleness and, and we're... We're thinking, oh, like, oh man, I I really want a, a wife or a husband, and 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 sometimes we get to the point where we maybe doubt whether God's gonna provide. And so we 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 stop trusting and acting and walking in the ways that He calls us to. And maybe we take it into our own hands, even if it means dating and marrying a non-Christian, which we we, we believe is not God's will. Or maybe there's that that situation that you've been worrying about and you know that that God is is calling you to lay it at his feet. But you're just you're so caught up and you're so um, stuck in, in feeling like you're just doubting. You're doubting whether God will provide. You're doubting, God, are you really good? Are you really going to do this um, and provide for me in this way? Um, or maybe, as I mentioned before, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, um, an issue at, at work or at school where you know God's calling you to step up and to stand up and um, stand up for your faith, but it's just so difficult. Whatever that struggle may be, whatever that thing is that um, is testing our willingness to trust God and to take steps of faith, we need to remember that the foundation of it is because of what Christ has done. And because he's reconciled us to the Father and that now we have the Spirit in us, we can take those steps of faith. We can obey and we can heed the Word of God. And we see the end result for Joshua and for Rahab. Joshua was commended for his faith. He was, he was, his fame spread throughout all the land. God was with him. And for Rahab, she had the ultimate transformation. She went from being um, someone who was a, a prostitute in, in, a, in a foreign nation to being part of the nation of Israel um, and being uh, one of the ancestors of King David. Imagine that, a heathen prostitute becoming part of the lineage of Christ. What transformation that was. And, and we're told in Hebrews it's because they obeyed, because they, 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 they trust and they persevered in their faith. And so as we come to a close, maybe you're sitting here thinking, oh man... I know, like, this is all so hard. Like, this situation has been really heavy. And I want to trust God. I want to take steps of faith. And I want to hold on. I want to persevere in, in, in faith. But it's just, I just can't. Like, I just can't bring myself to do that. It's so difficult. Well, I don't know about you, but, but I'm glad that we, we don't serve a God who stands at the end of the road and says just says, just have some more faith. We don't serve a God who says, come on, just, just do it. It's not that hard. That's not the God that we serve. We serve a God who comes and enters into our struggle. The, the faith itself that we have is a gift from him. It's not something that we must wrap ourselves. It's a gift from him. And so when we're struggling and we're struggling to step out in faith, I really want to encourage us to remember what Christ has done, to start there. To, if, we, if, if it's hard to obey, to start there and remember what Christ has done and then take on um, the, the challenges and the, the calls that God's got for us to obey him. Um, I'm reminded of a, of a story, and we've heard the story many many times, um, but I'm going to say it again because it's such a good story, um, of Horatio Spafford. Um, and for those who don't know or haven't heard the story, he um, was, a, was a wealthy man in the 1800s, and he lost a lot of his wealth um, in the fires in the, in the U.S., um, and he lost one of his sons uh, early on. He had four daughters remaining, and him and his wife and his four daughters were supposed to go on a, on a... On a um, on a boat uh, over to, to, to England, and um, he ended up having to stay back for some business ventures that he, he had to see to. So his wife and daughters went ahead, and they end up having the boat crash into another boat, um, and it, it it sank, and um, all four of his daughters um, passed away. Um, and long story short, eventually he gets on a, a boat, and he um, travels the same um, path, and he gets to um, he gets to the place where where um, the the boat sank and where he lost his daughters. He starts writing um, the lyrics to the song, It Is Well With My Soul. And find it interesting that in that moment when his faith would have been most tested, when he would have been stirred to be like, God, are you really good? Are you really worth serving to the very end? He writes these words in verse 2 and it'll come up on the screen. Mm -hmm. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. See, in that moment when his faith was tested, when it was difficult maybe for him to hold on to faith, he reflected on the very essence of what Christian faith is all about. And that's remembering what Christ has done. He reflected on the fact that his sin was nailed to the cross and he'd been reconciled to the Father and that gave him the courage and the strength to then endure and to persevere till the end. And so we're going to spend some time reflecting um, and praying into that. And I want us to, to really think about those situations, those things in our lives that maybe are challenging our faith, where we're questioning, God, where are you? God, what are you doing here? And I want to lay them before God's feet, remembering that Christ, because Christ has died for us, because because um, Christ has taken our place on the cross, and because we've been reconciled to the Father, and because we now have the Spirit in us, we can live a life of faith. Just like the Joshua and Rahab, and the rest of the heroes of faith did in chapter 11. And we can persevere, and that when the Lord comes back, and He, and he welcomes His bride home, we may be in that number, and we may be part of Him, and be spend eternally with Him in His presence forever. So let's take a minute or two just to pray and to reflect, and then I'll pray and um, close us off. Father God, we uh, are, Lord, we're so grateful um, for the cross. Lord God, we're so grateful that that's where um, all acts of faith start, with remembrance of what Christ has done. We thank you, Lord, that we've been reconciled to you, Father. We thank you that by the blood of Jesus, we can now draw near to you. Um, And we can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, persevere to the end and to hold on to faith, just like the heroes of faith did in, in, in Hebrews 11. And Father God, we pray for those, those situations, those challenges to our faith that we may be experiencing right now. Lord God, those moments where we question, we doubt. God, are You really good? Are You really um, with us, or, or are You distant and, and, and ignorant of what we're, we're going through? Lord, I pray that You'd um, help us to to really remember who You are um, and what You've done in Your character. And we pray that that would be the foundation that when we uh, reflect on the object of our faith, Lord, that that would give us the courage and the strength to then act in obedience. Uh, Lord God we pray that would, we would never uh, just take it upon ourselves to do things in our own strength or um, try to accomplish things in our, on our own, um, Lord God, but that we would reflect on, on who you are and that that would stir our hearts, Lord. And as we continue to live, that we would live a life of faith, uh, one that trusts you holistically and one that is fully surrendered to you um, because we love you and we adore you, Lord Jesus, as our Savior. Uh, Father God, we pray that we'd, we'd also um, be able to come alongside one another through our struggles. We thank you for the gift of community, Lord God. We pray that uh, for those of us who are struggling with aspects of our, our faith, that we'd be able to come um, and share those burdens with others, Lord, and that in doing so, we'd be able to support one another and point each other to Christ and to reflecting on what you've done. Father, we thank you for this time and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.